1: Live from San Francisco on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, you are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with your hosts, Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi. Are you ready?
0: Are you ready? Let's get it on!
2: How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sundays 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. we got a lot of news to get into here today. It is a Monday... And that means Raw is tonight. And it's not just Raw, everybody. It is the season premiere of Raw. Now, there's a lot of other news to get into. I don't want to spend all day today on Raw. But I bring that up because on Friday, we had the season premiere of SmackDown. And guess what? It actually was a really good show. It was the best SmackDown I've seen in forever. Now, if you followed a lot of pro wrestling... You're probably well aware that whenever you mix things up, even Vince Russo was good at this. Although, as I rewatch some of those shows that I remember being good, they weren't as good as I remembered. But when you mix everything up, the first reset show is usually really good. That's not the issue. The issue is the follow-up. But the first SmackDown post draft, even though it was a show that had Raw and SmackDown talent on it intermingling, I mean, it was a it was a very good show. So tonight is Raw. And there's a lot of stuff coming up, so we could talk about that today. But we have a lot of other news as well, not the least of which is a lineup for the next major New Japan show. As many of you are well aware, we had the G1, Block A, and Block B finals this weekend, as well as the finals. And so three straight days of G1. I watched all three days in one day. We talked a lot about it on the show yesterday, but if you didn't hear the Sunday show, we could talk about it more today. But their next show is coming up, and we have got the lineup for power struggle, which is taking place on November seventh. So we can go over the power struggle lineup here, how all of this leads into the Tokyo Dome. We got notes on the dark side of the ring, WWE adding podcast to the WWE network, and we will talk about the death of Principe Ario, which is a very, very strange story. And that's going to kick off the show when we come back from the break. If you want to text us here today, 425-780-7566 is the phone number. Like where VB joins us after the break. Stick around, everybody. Wrestling Observer Live.
3: Cleanings, checkups, and cavities. Have Dr. Chang's dental practice at capacity.
0: Patient in room one is getting a root canal. The x-rays in room two are going to have to wait. We're down to one hygienist.
3: It's time to hire.
0: I need Indeed.
3: Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply
4: At Shell, we know
2: from the time you get up to the time you wrap up, Good night. there's a lot of meetups, eatups, eat-ups, and hurry-ups. So come to Shell and get three things done at once. Fill up with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus to help keep your engine running like new. Save up with the Fuel Rewards program and never pay full price for gas again. And snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. And engines that continuously use Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium gasoline. see full terms and conditions at fuelrewards.com.
1: Listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Maybe Mike Sempervivi will be here today, but he is not here right now. But fear not, we're gonna see if we can get him on this program. So we're starting out today with this, which is a very sad story and also a very weird story. Prince of Bay Area, real name. Luis Angel Sanchez, 23, passed away Saturday night from an apparent heart attack, which we'll update here in a moment, at a match at Arena San Juan Pentathlon uh, just outside Mexico City. This, by the way, was written on Sunday, so we'll update here in a moment. He was working for the Mexa Wrestling promotion. He took two slaps to the chest, which were not hard, and a heel kick that didn't appear to make contact. He then collapsed. The match was immediately stopped. He was rushed to the hospital, which was across the street from the arena, and he passed away before he made it there. The show continued, even though the promoters were aware that he had died. Among his trainers was Bandito. Dr. Greg Mara, who saw the tape of Sanchez's death, noted this to us, quote, I've seen in the hospital a few times teenagers coming into the ER in cardiac arrest after getting hit in the chest with either a lacrosse ball or a hockey puck. Usually it happens when the heart is in between beats and it ends up going into ventricular fibrillation. And they essentially face plant to the ground, which they would need a portable defibrillator, which these cases I've seen had in the past and the kids survived. My educated guess would be that the chop was in between beats and the rhythm was thrown off and he went into V-fib. And they just go down instantly when it happens. I went to medical school in Mexico. I spent five years of my life there. I know how it is there, and it doesn't surprise me after living there that they would not have a portable defibrillator on hand. Just wanted to pass that along. Now, the latest, and this is from L. Universal, they reported that he had suffered a ruptured middle cerebral artery. What that basically means is he had a brain aneurysm. He had a stroke. And presumably, this would have nothing to do with the chops. And... It's really interesting. If, if it ends up that it has nothing to do with the chops, then it has nothing to do with the chops. But I do know that I have another friend in wrestling. And I don't think they've ever gone public with this, so I won't say who it is. But they basically retired. And when they first retired, I asked them what was going on. and And they said that they had a heart issue. And they'd never had a heart issue before. And this person's theory was that it was the result of CHOPs. And at the time, I thought, how could this be? And again, we don't know, and this may have absolutely nothing to do with, with uh, especially if it ends up being the ruptured middle cerebral artery. I don't think that had anything to do with the CHOPs. But, you know, this, this doctor here, whether, whether Sanchez's death had to do with CHOPs or not, he notes that he has seen people that have been struck in the chest, and it has disrupted their heart rhythm. And when you think about the number of chops that have been thrown in professional wrestling, obviously, if that is if that is possible, to have this happen as a result of a chop, it is extraordinarily rare. But I did think it was interesting when I read what this Dr. Greg Mara had to say, and I thought back to my friend that basically retired, and he thought that his heart condition had to do with chops. And if, if you recall, there was also the incident with, with Jerry Lawler, where Jerry Lawler believes that the reason that he had that heart attack after the match was because Dolph Ziggler dropped 10 successive elbows on him, and he felt that that disrupted his heart rhythm. So I don't think it's something where, you know, we should ban chops or, or anything like that. If it, if it happens, it almost never happens. But just like anything in wrestling, things can happen. So if we find out more about the uh, the death of, of uh, a Prince of Bay area, we'll let you know, but that is, that's the latest update right there. And do we have Mike Sempervivi here? Doesn't sound like it. guess he's still dealing with his box. Well, since he's not here, we'll wait to talk about the uh, the G1. Dark Side of the Ring officially returning for a third season. Vice TV made the announcement today. Dark Side of the Ring has been renewed for season three. The season will premiere in 2021 and will feature 14 episodes, Dark Side of the Ring, highest-rated show in Vice TV history. Season 1 aired in 2019, had 6 episodes. Season 2 then debuted this March and had 10 episodes, including a two-part documentary on Chris Benoit. Dark Side of the Ring, a knockout show for Vice TV, say the folks in charge. Uh, Dave Meltzer also gave us an update on the newest episodes that are being worked on. He writes that... Vice is working on a third season after the second season set record viewership numbers for the station. The idea is the station has dark side of wrestling and it worked because it was a deep dive on nostalgic subjects as opposed to the idea wrestling in the past wasn't well covered mainstream, so most viewers knew next to nothing behind the scenes on these subjects. We know they're working on shows on Brian Pillman, Dynamite Kid, uh, Grizzly Smith, and going back to WCW, talking about the two shows in North Korea in 1995, which is a very fascinating story. You know, they don't think they can get Ric Flair, who would be tremendous, because WWE doesn't allow its talent to participate in the series. But Scott Norton is probably uh, someone they need to talk to on that one, and he is available, as well as Eric Bischoff, I suppose, if he can remember anything. And some of the other guys, like Too Cold Scorpio, who were on the trip, or Antonio Noki, although Antonio Noki at this uh, stage has had some serious health issues, so my guess is that probably he would not be available. But if they do another season, I mean, there's still some slots open for different shows, so I guess we could ask you guys, what do you think they should do for another season of Dark Side of the Ring? We also have this, the Chasing Glory podcast with Lillian Garcia, is the newest addition to the WWE Network's expanding lineup of video podcasts. So I'm not sure how many they're going to announce, but this is one of the things the company is doing. They're taking everybody's outside podcasts, and they're just bringing them on to the WWE Network. Garcia announced the Chasing Glory is coming to WWE Network starting next Monday, which is October 26th. She had hyped last Friday there would be a major announcement. She's going to be a guest on WWE's The Bump, if you can find out where that is, this coming Wednesday morning. And it was also announced last week, Not Sam Wrestling with Sam Roberts and Isaiah Swerve Scott's Swerve City podcast are both coming to the WWE Network. And the impression that I was given, and I've I've actually never seen the Swerve City podcast, but I think Big Swole is involved. And obviously, if, if it's coming to the WWE Network, I think that would be the end of Big Swole or anybody outside WWE being part of that podcast. But if anybody watches it, regularly you can update me on that but more podcasts coming i think there's going to be a couple more announced and that should be updated here very very soon so as noted when we come back from the break we are start taking your feedback there's a lot to get into we have got the smackdown show from friday night which i thought was the best smackdown in forever we've got the raw show coming up tonight so we'll talk about that and also After the break, whether Mike is here or not, so this is his warning. We're going to talk about the lineup for the Power Struggle show that will be taking place at the Edion Arena in Osaka on Saturday, November 7th. we got six matches announced so far, and we'll go over all of those when we come back from the break. But first off, a couple of notes here. As noted, 425-770, I'm sorry, that's not the right number, 425-780-7566. I've changed phone numbers so many times, I can't even keep track of them. But that's the number if you want to text us. Or the easy thing, you go to the front page of WrestlingObserver.com and all of the numbers are up there for you. This person here says, Do you think it would be a good idea for Dark Side of the Ring to do an episode or two on Speaking Out and Nick Gage? Well, for sure Nick Gage. For sure Nick Gage. The problem with Speaking Out is there, there are so many... There are so many accusations that, I'm not saying that the accusations are not true, but the accusations haven't really gone anywhere. And what you need to do, if you're going to do a, an episode about this, I mean, you've got to talk about the, the incidents that we've actually got uh, lawsuits filed or charges filed. I don't think you want to do a dark side of the ring and just talk about every accusation, whether there's any evidence or not. And I'm not saying that any of these are not true. I'm just saying, if you're doing episodes on Vice TV, I'm not sure that that would be at the top of my list. But Nick Cage, for sure. I think they should do an episode of, of Dark Side on, on him. Including all of the information about how he effectively ended my professional wrestling career.
5: But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: Well, we're back, everybody. I'm back. So, of course, Sempervivi can't get on, so I muted his channel. And in doing so, I muted the channel to Sports Byline. I couldn't hear the music. I ran over. I've even got a giant clock right here to tell me what time it is. I still ran over the break. But I'm back here. Maybe one of these days Sempervivi is going to be back. But let's talk about this New Japan news. That's his loss, your gain. Coming out of this year's G1, New Japan has revealed the card for their next major show. Power Struggle, Edion Arena, Osaka, Saturday, November 7th, six singles matches announced for the show here. This is your lineup for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. If you have not seen this match enough, it's your lucky day naito faces evil and apparently both of the belts are going to be on the line that's the main event of the show in fact Kotabushi, the winner of the g1 will be defending his briefcase against jay white of course jay white was on his way to the finals all he had to do was beat ishii but in fact ishii spoiled his chances ishii beat jay white And as a result of that, Kodibushi went to the finals. So Jay White's simple argument could be, you never beat me to get to the finals. And he just wants his briefcase. Of course, if he wins the briefcase, he's the one that will get the championship match at the Tokyo Dome this year. Kenta will defend his IWGP US heavyweight title shot contract, which in fact he won on New Japan Strong, carries it around in a briefcase, which he also uses as a weapon. He will be defending that against Tanahashi. So they could have Tanahashi win that briefcase and then defend the title one of these days against John Moxley. Of the two matches, Moxley versus Tanahashi for that title is a bigger deal than John Moxley versus Kenta. Kenta won a tournament to get it. I mean, it's not the end of the world to take the briefcase off the guy. Somebody at some point has to lose the briefcase because otherwise you're always saying that they can lose the briefcase. It never happens. Nobody believes it can happen. You don't have to do with the the main IWGP title shot briefcase, the G1 briefcase. You got two briefcases. You can do it with the secondary briefcase. So that's what I'd do. I'd have Tanahashi win, but we'll see. Okada versus The Great Okan. As Dave Meltzer noted, originally it was not going to be The Great Okan in that spot. And there may actually be more people added to this crew obviously i would think that the tokyo dome match will be will osprey versus okada but okada can go through people on the way there jeff cobb was originally going to be in the great okan spot and he could be added later i guess we'll see but okada versus the great okan we'll see how great okada is against the great okan in that match Minor suzuki will defend the never open way title against shingo match should be awesome I love that Minoru Suzuki is the champion, but you know what? This belt changes hands a lot, and I would not be the least bit surprised if Shingo beat him and won the Never Way title. And then Toru Yano defends the King of Pro Wrestling 2020 trophy against Zack Sabre Jr. That is the lineup for the show coming up on November 7th. Next segment, whether we can get Mike back or not, we're going to be doing phone calls. So don't call yet, but that's going to be coming up for now. You can do your text message, 425-780-7566. Email brian at wrestlingobserver.com. It's you and me today, at the moment at least. So let's get into it. This person here says, I have a feeling there will be a dark side of the ring about Teddy Hart and Alberto Del Rio. Well, very well could be the case. I mean of the two, I don't want to I don't want to say who's darker, but my guess is that just due to the size of each person's name, probably will end up being Del Rio first, but we'll see. And also, this person says, what about in-ring deaths? You could do Masawa Silver King Paraguayo Jr., Mike DiBiase, etc. This person here suggests Dark Side of the Ring, The Good Doctor George Zahorian. That would actually be a hell of a Dark Side of the Ring. Person here says, a very early prediction, but this person says that Fox will not renew SmackDown when the contract is over, and USA will take them back on Tuesdays for a lower amount. Well, it is way too early, but quite frankly, it's not that early because they need to start doing negotiations in 2022, and it'll probably be midway through 2022, so... I would say we got about a year, a year and a half. And if you've watched the decline of Raw, a lot can change in a year or a year and a half. Every single time that somebody says they're going to get renewed for a lower amount of money, it never happens. Now, obviously, obviously, one would presume that eventually it's going to get to the point where they don't get renewed for more money i mean can it really just keep escalating forever obviously over the long term if they're still a wwe in 50 years i mean whatever they sign for whatever their their television or streaming or whatever whatever their broadcast deal is in 50 years if they're still around i mean it's going to be more than whatever they're making right now okay but in the in the short term, over the course of X number of years, I mean, theoretically, it can't just keep going up forever. It can slow down. They could get a deal for the same amount of money. They also could get a deal for the same amount of money where things are different, where, you know, for example, I mean, maybe we're going to give you the same amount of money, but we want Uh, SmackDown, and we want another hour of programming. So WWE needs to provide more for the same amount of money, but they're still getting the same amount of money. There's a million ways that this could go. The big question is going to be, what is the SmackDown average on Fox 52 weeks a year over the course of the next year? If you look at SmackDown numbers, when it's first-run programming, SmackDown usually does not do as well as what they would get for first-run programming in that time slot. But... During rerun season, how does SmackDown do? If we're in rerun season and SmackDown is doing better than Fox is doing for reruns, if their 18-49 to 49 is doing better than everything else on network TV, I mean, they very well may get renewed by Fox. I mean, we say it every time. Like, the decline is staggering of Raw and SmackDown over the last five years. But television is also declining. And granted, Raw and SmackDown are declining at a, at a higher rate. But you got to remember, as far as like cable television, I mean, they were up higher than a lot of things prior to that. So their greater decline, they may still be valuable. So it is too early. This is a bold prediction that they will not get renewed by Fox. But it is pro wrestling. Despite the decline, it still does very good numbers. They may lose Fox, but you know what? There may be somebody else clamoring for numbers like that. So we shall see. This person says, Dark Side of the Ring recommendations either the plane ride from hell with Brock or the plane ride from hell where Saudi Arabia kept wrestlers on a plane for 24 hours while Vince left. Well, of the two, I'd probably do the Saudi Arabia show. The plane ride from hell with Brock. I don't know how many people are around who would be willing to talk about it. Obviously, it's going to be the same thing with Saudi Arabia. But at least that's a little bit more recent, and there's people that can talk about it. And, you know, there are people that are no longer with WWE that probably would be willing to talk about it as well. So those are two good options right there. Any chance WWE does a Dark Side of the Ring type of, type of documentary with Vince being interviewed? Well, it would be so full of BS. If you did something like that, a WWE version of dark side of the ring, they would find things that they could spin in whatever way they want to spin it. Vince would lie about this. He would lie about that. It'd probably have a happy ending. You're not going to do a, how can I put this? Vice is going to be pretty accurate. Okay. You're not going to get that with WWE. It's just not going to happen. They're going to give you their, their version of the story, which guaranteed is not going to be as dark as the real story and Vince on there is just going to tell you it just would not work. I mean, just watch the all of the the WWE versus WCW Monday Night Wars, any documentary about something where they tell their side of the story. It's 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 always a joke. So no, you, you WWE could not do this. They could, but it would not be any good. This person here says, Braun Strowman posted on social media. He was in Daytona Bike Week this weekend with thousands of people, and he was not social distancing. Do you think the WWE should pull him from Raw tomorrow? Well, they're not gonna, and they're gonna test him when he gets there. And quite frankly, I mean, I'd have to... Listen, I'm I'm not the best person to talk to, but my guess is that if he was there this weekend and he contracted it, I mean, I think it's gonna be a few more days before... He's probably going to be testing positive or, or symptomatic or, or even able to give it to anybody else. So I think that they should be very vigilant. I think he needs to be tested regularly. I think they should test him before every appearance he makes in the Performance Center or in the Thunderdome or whatever. But I do not see them pulling him from Raw. And actually, David Arquette already said he filmed the dark side of the ring for Nick Gage. So that's probably why I remembered that. That's why I thought of that one. This person here says, I know some people that are hugely upset about Sonata losing. One even canceled their New Japan World sub. Please talk these people off the ledge. Dude, you can't talk somebody off the ledge if they're that passionate about something. But I can tell you that Sonata is in his early 30s. Ibushi is 38 years old. He's going to be 39 next year. Sonata's got a lot of time to figure a lot of stuff out. If he's anything like his mentor, Muto, he's going to be around for like 20, 25 more years. So I would not cancel my subscription over that. Back in a moment with more Observer Live.
6: enjoy this is a potter's field
3: when people can't pay for their funerals they are buried here it is a lonely desolate place littered with unmarked headstones no one visits no one leaves flowers but it doesn't have to be that way for as low as one dollar a day you can ensure your family will have the money to pay your funeral expenses we offer burial insurance plans that pay up to thirty thousand dollars
4: Again, that's eight hundred five one six twenty four ninety nine. 516 2499. Paid for by Final Expense Direct. You are listening to Wrestling
1: Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting
2: Network. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. I'm going solo here today, everybody. But that does mean that you are welcome to be. My co-host here today, give us a call. I'd love to hear from you. I'll give you extra time today. 8449132727 is the phone number. that is 8449132727. You can send your text messages four two five seven eight zero seven five six six if you don't want to call, and you may email Brian at wrestlingobserver.com. Give us a call. I'll get to those in just a moment. A couple of other text messages here says, with all of the videos being shown on Twitch during the break, how old are they? I haven't heard of anyone besides you currently, with only finding local wrestling four years ago. Are you talking about locally? Well, uh, those were filmed in around 2002, 2003. Uh, the Portland Wrestling that you see with myself getting big wins over the likes of Moondog Ed Moretti. That was from the Portland Wrestling reboot on the WB in Portland, it's like 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. And the videos that you see, how how Vinny V, how Shoulders Torelli became Big Vinny V, that was 2003, if I recall correctly. So these are all very, very old. And in fact, we will have more old videos debuting for all of you sometime soon. Maybe very old. We may be talking like the 90s here. Those are being worked on as we speak. All right, the phone lines are raging here, so let's go to Dagan. You're on the air. What's going on?
7: Hey, Brian. Uh, I'd like to shout out to everybody in the Twitch homies and uh, welcome you all to this episode of Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Dagan. Yes. Um, So I wanted to discuss this uh, NXT uh, UK, or sorry, uh, AEW uh, UK rating numbers that uh, they posted on their social media yesterday, that they're beating the first-run broadcast of all their competitors in the UK for audience volume. Uh, They're over five times NXT, double SmackDown, almost double Raw. Uh, It's just crazy, these numbers in the UK and how huge – uh, AEW is over there. Uh, a couple, so a couple questions about that. Uh, one, do you know if those numbers include the Fight TV AEW Plus subscriptions, if those are factored in as well? Um, and obviously with COVID and everything going around, they can't run shows over there. But uh, do you think that they could probably sell out some big arena in UK if they were to do a show over there in, like say, next year or 2022, whenever everything kind of calms down a bit in the world?
2: Well, Dagan, my friend, I want to thank you very much for the call. So, yeah, I mean, there have been there have been other promotions. I think Impact for a while was doing very well. But WWE's popularity in the U.K. has plummeted. Uh, but AEW doing very well. I think they could easily sell out, uh, I, I don't know the size of the buildings, but I think they do very well running the U.K. I think that as soon as, as soon as the pandemic is over, I think you'll be seeing more of AEW in the U.K., uh, I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, they're doing very, very well, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just, to me, it's a better show. I know that makes people very, very angry, but, you know, I liked SmackDown this past Friday night, but in general, in general, AEW is a much better show than SmackDown. It's usually a much better show than Raw. NXT, it's it's a lot more neck and neck. I've I've done the show with Vinny and we've given ties many, many times. But if you're talking like the main roster versus AEW, I mean it doesn't surprise me. The 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 fans in the UK, very passionate. It's a it's a smaller and more hardcore, smarter fan base. And it doesn't surprise me that this is happening. Doesn't mean that it can't swing the other way. But yes, very, very impressive numbers for AEW in the uk let's go to knoxville tennessee you're on the air what's going on knoxville going once going twice your phone died bro it's still on there but i can't hear him oh well i guess that means we got to go to honolulu and uh you're on the air what's going on
6: yo um I was actually going to call in for Dark Side of the Ring yesterday, but I broke down and forgot my topic. I was
2: nervous. Um, Maybe in the last segment you should get Semper Vivi on the phone if that will work. But uh, are you keeping up with the Brandon Keller and Peter Avalon story? And should they have a match at Full Gear or something? And, uh, yeah. All right. I want to thank you very much for the call. Hey, that was more more lucid than usual. Listen, here's my thoughts on this, okay? I don't think that any storyline that is exclusive too dark should culminate on a pay-per-view i know some people are going to disagree with that but i mean the reality is the number of people that are watching aw dynamite is so much higher than the number of people that are watching dark and you know as i pointed out many many times if you've ever seen and this was this was several years ago actually wwe sent out this Email or something, and they were they were talking about how 15 million people watch WWE programming on any given week. And it's like 15 million people, like Raw at the time probably had 3 million. SmackDown may have had two and a half. I remember adding all of it up, and it was like, you could maybe get to 6 million. Like, how in the world are they getting 15 million people? And the reason they came up with 15 million, which is still you know, greatly exaggerated the way that they, they stated it, but Raw's viewership is an average of the number of people watching on any given minute. So if you factor in the people that tune in, tune out a different person tunes in a different person tunes out the number of human beings that watch a portion of raw on any given Monday, I mean, it's probably in the neighborhood of like four or 5 million people, but on average, they have 2 million people watching over the course of, of 3 hours. But the actual number of individual, different human beings that watch a portion of Raw every Monday, it's much higher than what you see when you get the ratings numbers. Same with SmackDown, and same with AEW, same with everything that, that, that you, you see the ratings for, okay? So, AEW does, let's just say, 840,000 on average, okay? That's on average. The actual number of people... That tune in and tune out the individuals watching AW. It's more than a million. It's it's I don't I don't know what the number would be, but it may be around one and a half million people. It's and it's the same with NXT. So don't sit here and tell me that I'm saying that AW has one and a half million people watching and NXT has six hundred thousand. NXT six fifty. That's an average as well. They probably have a million different people tuning in over the course of the night as well. So anyway, if you take that into consideration, all right. But then you look at the AW dark numbers. The AEW Dark numbers, whatever number you see on YouTube, that's the same thing. That's people that they watch for a minute because it autoplayed and they shut it off. So my point is, the number of people that watch a full episode of AEW Dark and are committed to the show, it's lower than whatever number you see up there on YouTube. So my point is, multiple, multiple times the number of people are watching Dynamite, as are watching AEW Dark. So, no, I do not think that any storyline that you've built up over months on AEW Dark, I do not think that that should be on pay-per-view. Now, if you want to bring that storyline to Dynamite, if you want to introduce it to the Dynamite viewers, if you want to build it up on Dynamite and pay off on pay-per-view, fine. But I do not think that we should be seeing AEW Dark storylines playing out on an AEW pay-per-view. It's a long answer, but you know what? I'm alone here today. Let's go to Rochester. You are on the air. What is going on?
6: How's it going, guys? Uh, Shout out to the Twitch homies. Um, I
2: had a question about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and the current title situation with the heavyweight and intercontinental titles. Um, As you said, um, power struggle, Naito vs. Evil is going to happen one more time, but um, traditionally everybody who beats the champion gets a shot. And Sonata, has um, an opportunity. Do you think that possibly they do Naito or Evil versus Sonata for, for just the Intercontinental Championship? Well, I want to thank you very much for the call. I mean, they could absolutely do that, and I still, I still am not sold on on what they're doing with the two titles. I've I've mentioned it before. I mean, what is going on here? I mean, so far. It has been a unified belt. So far, I'm pretty sure every single time that Naito was defended, it's been for both belts. So, But they have made it clear it's not a unified title. So if that's the case, then the idea must be, and, and Ghetto does not just throw things together without a plan. He's got to have a plan. So there has to be a plan at some point of Naito defending them either individually Uh, Maybe, you know, uh, my point of all of this is I believe that there's going to be some sort of gimmick going into the Tokyo Dome where Naito defends one title on night one and the other title on night two. I don't think it makes any sense to just do one title defense on either the fourth or the fifth of both belts. If that's the case, why aren't they unified? So... That begs the question, what what would they do here? Would they do a deal where Naito defends both belts? Let me think about this. I guess it doesn't make sense to if if he if he defends both belts the first night, then I guess the winner would defend both the belts on the second night. Maybe they do a deal where Abushi gets to choose whichever title he wants to challenge for, which presumably would be the heavyweight title, and whichever day. So maybe he would say, I want my shot at the heavyweight title on the first night. Or maybe the Intercontinental title on the first night. Then on the second night, you could do a deal where maybe Sonada or somebody else challenges Naito for the other title. And if Ibushi wins, he defends the title on the second night. Or you could do... How else could you do this? I mean, there's a, there's a million options. But my feeling is that Naito is defending Both belts on the 4th and the 5th, on separate days. That's what I think is happening. Now, how you do that, who gets the title shot, how they arrange it. I mean, the one thing about the Tokyo Dome, and I guess they kind of did this last year, is if you're going to do a deal where Naito is defending one or the other on the first night, and how that plays into the second night is determined after the first night has taken place. I mean, you just have to presume that everybody's going to buy their ticket for night two and not have any idea what the matches are going to be for Naito, Ibushi, or whoever else is going to be on that show, either defending or challenging for a title. So that's, uh, I don't want to say it's risky, but, you know, I, I think it would be easier if they flat out said Naito's defending the Intercontinental title night one against Sonata and the IWGP title night two against Ibushi. That way, you can sell all your tickets. Everybody knows what to expect, etc. The other option is, you know, maybe he defends one or both on night one, and depending on how that plays out, you see certain matches on night two. But you're not going to know what those are until after night one ends. I'm I'm less sold on that, but there's certainly a lot of different opportunities, and there's a lot that we can talk about between now and January fourth. But I just don't. I just feel that. If they're flat out saying it's not unified, there's, there's no reason for him to defend the titles unified forever. He's got to, at some point, defend one or the other or both. And defending both over two nights, I think, is the best option. This person here says, I think Oro and Mexico died the same way. That's, absolutely, that's, that's exactly what happened. He took a chop, I believe he suffered a brain aneurysm, and he died. So it is the same deal, but again, just because two people had a brain aneurysm after a chop we don't know if the chop had anything to do with anything. Chops are thrown all the time in matches. So it could have been just a huge coincidence that two guys had an aneurysm and it just happened to take place after chops. Back in a moment, Observer Live.
3: In this town so few days ago.
5: The girl I see.
4: That's
6: 877-360-0402. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really
5: worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
6: Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I just want
5: to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help.
4: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906, 800-338-6906, that's 800-338-6906, paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
5: Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? Then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. Take control of your financial future. Make this free five minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt. 800
3: 439 7851. 800 439 7851. 800 439 7851. 800 439 7851. -7851.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting
2: Network. Come on, come on. Back on the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live, flying solo here today. So, there was a lot of chat about this on the, on the Twitch here. And one idea since the story is that Ibushi wants both of these belts, but Sonata has a win over Naito from the G1. You could do a deal where on night one, it is Naito versus Sonata for the Intercontinental title. And the simple storyline is, if Sonata wins, he's the Intercontinental champion, and Naito defends the IWGP the next day against Ibushi. But, if Naito wins, then the next day, he defends both of the titles against Ibushi. And obviously, the easy way to do all of this would be for, for Naito a night one to lose the intercontinental title to Sonata. Now Ibushi is upset, even though he got his big win and he's the IWGP champion. He only accomplished half of his goal. He did not win both of these titles. And you can build up to both him and Sonata wanting each other. Sonata wants the IWGP title from him and he wants the intercontinental title from Sonata. So he can be the double champion and that can be your storyline for all of 2021. So, a lot of different ways you can go. And I'll just say that I got faith that Ghetto's got some sort of plan here. We're going to wrap it up today. I want to thank you all for listening here today. we got a lot of stuff coming up. I want to mention that Filthy Tom Lawler is unavailable here today. And so we're not going to do the Filthy Tom show. But we will reschedule it for later on this week. And I will be back later on tonight with Dave Meltzer. Only for subscribers at WrestlingObserver.com. And then tomorrow, back for Observer Live and also... The Brian and Vinny and Craig and Granny Show, where I will have a fun announcement for everybody. So you can look forward to that. So that's it from here. I want to thank you all for listening. Everybody to the studio. Mike, as always, even though he wasn't here, twitch.tv F4W video, and the mightier 1090 across SoCal. We'll talk to you again next time, Wrestling Observer Live.